It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show Yo. with Mike Guido. And it is a Tuesday, and it's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, Monica Ray, Big J journalist. Good to have you in here on a Tuesday. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it is an absolutely loaded Tuesday today. Speedy Petey at 1230. Uh, I got the top 10 NFL teams after week 11. I do that every Tuesday. That's coming up in about an hour. Um, we play one of the chances every single Tuesday at the end of the show. So I do... Want to begin with this. We are absolutely packed here on this Tuesday. Have you ever noticed, Monica, have you ever noticed that you perform better at something when you're happy? Absolutely. Right. If you compare a job that you hated and a job that you loved, more often than not, you're better at the job you loved. It's pretty self-explanatory. If you ever played sports, your coach would, tell, would always tell you to loosen up, have fun. That you're you're gonna play better if you're loose and you're you're free and you're having fun with it. You're in a good mood. Makes uh, sense. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you perform angry. We got the two extremes on both sides last night with Patrick Mahomes and Phillip Rivers. Both great quarterbacks, both different mindsets. Mahomes plays freely. Rivers plays angry. And the difference shows in the results. Mahomes is 7-4, and four, and Rivers is 4-7. and seven. It's pretty simple to me. I was watching the game last night with my fiancé, and she doesn't really watch sports. She watches it sometimes with me, but she never watches it on her own. Uh, and she said, God, there's just something about Patrick Mahomes. And I said, well, what do you mean? I'm like, where the hell did this come from? And she, said, and she says, he just, he just feels iconic. He just plays smoother and freer. She said, if you were to make a movie about the NFL today, he'd be the leading actor. He looks like what football is supposed to look like. First of all, my mind was completely blown. I was like, where the hell did this come from? She doesn't watch sports. And she spewed that one on me. I'm like... That's the most analytical thing I've ever heard her say to me. I was like, my God. But I was thinking about it, and it makes perfect sense. Mahomes is so loose and relaxed when he plays. Have you ever noticed that? He never looks nervous or overwhelmed. The, the game just flows for him. Even his arm movements, movements are fluid. His arm is looks like a noodle when he throws. It is just... It is a soft, fluid, easy-flowing style of play and an easy-flowing mentality for Patrick Mahomes. It's just different. He just looks freer. He looks iconic in that way. And natural. But he plays like what football is supposed to look like. Then the Chargers get on the field for the final drive, and there's a close-up of Phillip Rivers. And then she asks me, God, why does he look so angry? He, he's, he looks so intense. 
Like, he just, he looks like so, like, devilish, even. Even. It was kind of demonic. And she also, you know, she also said he looks like the human version of a Brussels sprout. But that's, that's a different <laughs> conversation. I love her. <laughs> uh, but I watch Philip Rivers. And I just can't understand why anybody would want their quarterback to look like that. He looks frustrated and tense and anxious and rigid. He just, Philip Rivers doesn't look like the game is fun. It looks like it's a chore. He looks taxed by the game. He looks like this game has just mentally beaten him. Oh, my God. Ugh, if I throw one more interception, I swear. that Every time he walks off the field, he looks disappointed. And I understand that as a quarterback, you want to score on every drive. But I don't see many successful quarterbacks do that. They don't walk off the field just ripping the chin strap off their helmet every single possession. Brady doesn't do that. Russell Wilson doesn't do that. Lamar Jackson doesn't do that. Or Dak or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or any of those guys. None of them do that. Rivers looks tired, and that's why he's struggling. Philip Rivers is immensely talented. I'm not arguing that. But he has a really heavy head on his shoulders. Rivers plays tight. Now, like I said, I don't think that his NFL career is over. I think a change of scenery might work for him. I told you yesterday, I love the Chicago fit. Absolutely love. I think it would be a great move if Philip Rivers were to go to Chicago. Great fit, automatic contender from that point on. But you can tell that he's fed up with the situation in Los Angeles. And let me clear the air here. To be honest, how could you not be? He's been their quarterback for a long time, and now is the worst time to be a Charger. It is. Imagine playing for a franchise where all you experience is moving to Los Angeles, playing in a 30,000-seat stadium that you can't sell out, Every game feels like a road game. Your owner now is entertaining moving to London. It's, it's exhausting. It is so exhausting. problem is when they do sell out the home stadium, it's to sell out for the opposing team. That's right. It feels like a road game. Really? Right. It's like if your parents get divorced and you have to decide who you want to live with. Right? And then, they, then the person you decide to live with keeps moving. And no matter where you go, the family drama follows you. Believe me, I'd be frustrated too. This needs to be, I'm telling you now, this needs to be a mutual breakup with Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. It has to be. Change of scenery for Rivers, new quarterback, and new life for the Chargers. But Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to deal with all of this. right? Instead, he has Andy Reid, a plethora of offensive weapons, a stable organization, an amazing home field advantage, the Mahomes world is beautiful. Everybody wants to live in Mahomes' world. What adversity is he running into? A bad run defense? Please. Phillip Rivers is like, listen, my home games feel like road games. <laughs> Come complain to me. I wish I had a bad run defense. Life gets easier, and you perform better when you're happy and not frustrated. And last night we saw Mahomes, who's happy and loose, and he's getting good results. Okay, and then Philip Rivers, who's frustrated and tense 
and rigid, and he's losing games because of it. That's the deal. It is. It, it has nothing to do with rosters better, uh, talent is more on Mahomes' side. I really don't think that their success has anything to do with either of those factors. It has everything to do with how they've played the game. Mahomes is loose and free. He plays like he's having fun. He plays like how football is supposed to look like. And Phillip Rivers is tense. He's rigid. He's frustrated. He's angry. The game isn't fun for him. Like I said, there needs to be a different energy with the L.A. Chargers, and they don't have it. You know, like I said, it isn't like the talent isn't there. But it's a bad situation for Rivers and an exhausted relationship between him and the organization. It's just that simple. Rivers is losing because of the attitude in the building. He's tired. He's exhausted with the situation. You can tell he's done, and that relationship is going to go by the wayside. They're going to go under 500 this year with that roster. What does that tell you? New coach, new quarterback, new life in the organization. You cannot play frustrated. Patrick, the Chiefs are not more talented than the Chargers, but the attitude in the building is optimistic. It's fun. It's free because every play they watch Patrick Mahomes, they're just like, but God, that kid is so good. We got a chance to win every darn Sunday. You watch Phillip Rivers and you're more like, God, I really hope he doesn't make a mistake today. <laughs> Can we please get a game where he's not so tense? It's hard to get that out of a guy like Phillip Rivers. Rivers. He's always intense. Rivers has played like that though his entire career. That's been his. It's been whole, his whole career playing frustrated, showing, uh, letting his, you know, letting emotions out, letting you know, showing frustration, yelling, yelling at the referees, yelling at everything. That's he's always played like that. He's always played angry, he's and it's always, always held him back. You know, it's always held him back, and he's always been a guy that where the moment gets a little too big for him. You could tell that the ment that the mental fortitude is just exhausted. I'm not saying he doesn't have it. I'm saying that right now, he's just done. He's done with the organization. He wants to move on, and I think the Chargers should too. All right, so I want to move on to this. I'm really into analytics. I'm not smart enough to understand what all of them mean because I'm not a total nerd, but I, I understand the basis behind analytics. You're trying to set yourself up for the best chance at success through probability. That's how I really boil it down to. That's how lineups are constructed in baseball, and that's how, in certain situations, plays are called in the NFL. That's why teams are going for two more often. Have you you noticed that? That we're seeing a lot more, uh, we're seeing a lot less extra points, because ever since they moved it back, it's actually, in certain situations, more probable to get points in a two-point conversion than with an extra point, and a lot, so a lot of more, a lot more teams are going for two now, and a lot more fourth down fourth down attempts too. They're going right. for, but I'm not here to bore you with numbers and breaking down things uh, most people don't get. I, I, I'm just I'm not here to do that. So I'll make this very easy for you. Dak Prescott is the Dallas Cowboys. It's indisputable. The Dallas Cowboys are Dak Prescott's team. Not Zeke's team, Dak's team. Let me throw a couple of numbers at you. And I promise these are the only ones. 
there's a stat called EPA. It's, it's expected points added, which measures the impact of a play on the score of the game. Dak Prescott is at a 45.4 EPA. And people are going to say, Guido, what the hell does that mean? That number means nothing to me. Quit spewing this crap. Let, let's put this into perspective. That number, 45.4, puts Dak on pace to have an EPA of 72.64 by the end of the year. That would rank sixth all-time for a single season. Dak is turning plays that shouldn't score points into plays that do. That's a better number than Patrick Mahomes last year. Okay, just, there's another, here's, here's another one. There's another stat called success rate, which shows how often you put together a positive EPA. So how many points is your play worth? And how often does that happen? How often are you adding points to what's expected for that play? Dak is at 56%. That's the best of all time. Nobody in NFL history has had a better success rate than Dak Prescott. This is not a bullish Cowboy fan opinion anymore. This is real. Do we get it now? Analytics in the NFL is very forward way of thinking. It's a very progressive, advanced way of thinking. The way you think about the game has to evolve for you to buy into this stuff. I always say sports are cyclical. I always say it. They're constantly changing. If you watch the Dallas Cowboys this season, there isn't a chance in the world that you can still think Ezekiel Elliott is the driving force of this offense. You can't do it. That's a stalemated way of thinking. Your mind has stood still since Dak's rookie year. I'm not saying it was never like that, but it isn't like that anymore. Dak doesn't rely on Zeke anymore. It might actually be the other way around. Think about this. But let's put analytics aside for a minute. Let's simplify this as much as we can. Let's kind of dumb this down. Reader's Digest football for dummies. How many games would the Cowboys win with Tony Pollard at running back instead of Zeke? Then ask yourself, how many games would they win with Cooper Rush at quarterback instead of Dak Prescott? The Cowboys would be a bottom five team in the NFL without Dak and probably would still be in first place without Zeke. Quit telling me that you don't see it with Dak. You don't see the zip on his fastball? You don't see the accuracy in the extending plays. You don't see the audibles at the line of scrimmage. You don't see the conversions on third down. He's leading the league in passing, second in touchdowns, top 10 in completion percentage, and top 10 in quarterback rating. Still Zeke's team? Get out of your own head and stop living in one state of mind. Embrace the evolution here. The analytics are showing you that Dak is this guy that Dak is the Dallas Cowboys. The eye test is telling you that he's gotten way better as a quarterback. The simplified stats, the non-analytical stuff, shows that he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. What more does he need to show you? He has a positive record. He's 38 and 20 in his career. 
He's thrown 88 touchdowns and 34 picks. That is a really good touchdown-interception ratio. He's second in the league in touchdowns this year. He's got 21 touchdowns and nine picks. What are we doing here? The same people that think the Cowboys are Zeke's team think that LeBron wouldn't survive in the 80s and that Michael Jordan would average 50 points a game in today's NBA. Your mind is stuck in one frame. Try to evolve to another point of thought. Believe me, it took me a while to come around on this. But the more I watch the Dallas Cowboys, the more I actually see it that, wow, lately Dak's been really putting this team on his back. I mean, he overcame the bad coaching, the bad defense, And in a game where he needed to throw 450 yards, he did. He did. So what are we looking at now? What are we waiting for to finally buy in? This is Dax Prescott's team. Fix the paper jam. Get the gears going again. Okay? He's showing you that it is at an all-time rate his team. I'm not lying to you here. All of the analytical numbers, he's top five in every analytical statistic of all time. Not just recent, all time for a single season. We are ha- we can doubt him all we, wa- all we want. I've been one of Dak's harshest critics. I got to take a step back. Dak is the reason they're winning, and it's not Zeke. Okay. Plenty of stuff to go over today. Uh, Coming up next, there's one thing that separates this Laker team from any other team that LeBron has played for, and it's for this reason why this is LeBron's best shot to win another ring. That's coming up. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. There you go. You got it. Jeez. What was that? A little, diff- little technical difficulties. That, was ter- that wasn't technical difficulties. That was mental, psychological difficulties. That's why I hate you. God, you're awful. <laughs> Listen, just don't take off your headphones and throw them and kick them in the head, all right? Anyway, let me start over. It's good to have you back here in the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Monica here on a Tuesday. Uh, absolutely loaded today. Uh, so one thing that's common between all great teams in sports is that they don't fall off a cliff when one of their better, uh, one of their better players gets hurt or plays poorly. So you've you got to be able to survive when that guy has an off night. All championship-level teams do that. That's never really been the case with a team led by LeBron James. It never has been. The numbers are ridiculous. It's like when LeBron's on the floor, they're plus double digits, and then when he's off the floor, they're minus double digits and plus minus. Like, it's absolutely insane. And the team usually suffers when other key stars are missing. The Lakers this year don't have that problem. They're winning games when they play poorly. Somebody is always stepping up. We've we got to realize this. LeBron can win a finals with this team. First of all, LeBron is playing some of the best basketball he's ever played. He's averaging 25 and 11. Second of all, Anthony Davis 
has been really streaky to start the year, but they're winning anyway, so nobody notices. This is Anthony Davis's career low in field goal percentage, his lowest rebounding average since his rookie year, and his highest turnover rate. Nobody is saying a word about it because the Lakers are winning games. But this is what's impressive. This is why the Lakers will be in a better position than the Clippers come playoff time. LeBron and AD are going to play 75 games each, and they're going to play well even when the other struggles. The team is all going to have success when one of those guys struggles. They're not both going to struggle on the same night very often. They're just LeBron's either going to drop 35 and 10 or Anthony Davis is going to drop 30 and 10. And and that's really going to be all they need. You're you're going to watch this. They don't they don't fall apart when one of those guys doesn't play well. Kawhi Leonard is going to play 57 games and the Clippers are struggling without him. Even with Paul George back. The Clippers are struggling to win games. They are. They barely squeaked by the Thunder at home last night. It took Paul George to hit a last-second three to win the game, and they only put up 90 points. They are actually losing games without Kawhi Leonard. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm confident. If I'm the Clippers, I'm worried. If Kawhi Leonard is going to take his low-to-management games and you're losing games with, uh, with him out, you're going to end up like sixth in the Western Conference, and that's not where you want to be come playoff team. The West is too loaded. You don't listen. You don't want to play Denver in the first round. You want to play Dallas or Portland with home court advantage. You want to play them in Los Angeles. You don't want to go to high altitude. You don't want to go to Utah. You don't want to go to Houston. You want to stay right there in L.A. You want to be at the top of the Western Conference. It's not just about getting into the playoffs. Because, they, oh, well, we've got Kawhi, and he's going to stay healthy, and load management, he's going to be at his best when it comes playoff time. None of that is going to matter if you don't put yourself in a good position to succeed going forward. This is why, again, I think the Lakers are going to end up in better position. Right now, I like the Lakers more than I like the Clippers. They're in a better spot. They're just in a better spot. Clippers are 9-5. and five. Lakers are 11-2. and two. They are rolling teams right now, these Lakers. They are. So I like them in the West right now. The Lakers are getting by even when their players are off, and the Clippers can't get by below-average Western Conference teams when their guys are off. Right now, I think the Clippers are good, and the Lakers are great. That's the difference here. And we all believed... The beginning of the year, Clippers, Lakers, they were going to be at the top of the Western Conference. I'm going to tell you right now, the Lakers will be there. But somebody else is going to be, be there with them. I'm not certain. I really am not certain if the Clippers are going to be the team that's going to be there with the Lakers. I don't think it will be. As of right now, I don't think it will be. I think right now, I, I, it would be Denver. I think Utah is going to be up there. I, 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 listen, I gave them a lot of flack preseason, but I even think Houston could get up there too. I really do. The Lakers right now, I think, are clearly the best team in the NBA. They're clearly the best team in the Western Conference. They're playing well when their best players are not. And that says something about a team that usually doesn't do this because it's a LeBron-led team. They usually start a little bit slow. It can't really get them going. This is different for a LeBron-led team. So I'm really encouraged by this. Lakers right now are the favorite to me. Uh, they look good. This is a good. This is exactly pretty much as good of a start 
as you're going to be asking. Right now, I think LeBron's the MVP of the league. The Lakers are in good shape right now. Uh, all right, let's go to the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right. I don't even know where to start because there's all kinds of crazy things happening. So we'll start with... We'll take a jab at something. We'll take it at uh, Antonio Brown. Here oh. He goes. He's back. Breaking news. He Yay. Just, he just tweeted an apology to the Patriots head coach, Robert Kraft. Owner. Owner, sorry. Owner. Owner. Yeah, we're going to get something wrong today. Confusing Belichick and Robert Kraft. Yeah. There you go. Wow, that's a big one. Uh, so, that's not what good does. But you, you, know, you can't really confuse me. Yeah, you know, but it's, 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 it's easy. That's, that's, so a, he, that's okay. Bill to... Belichick's just on to Cincinnati. So he's I... not going to Cincinnati this week. He's going. He's playing Dallas, and he's going back home, but he's he's on to Cincinnati. He's on. Well, well I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy Jason Garrett. Okay. Uh, in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. So I anyway. guess he's trying to worm his way back into the NFL. Apparently his um, apology has gotten over 86,000 likes. So Jeez. people, there's still fans out there of Antonio Brown. Oh, sure. Yeah, look, look, there are, as much as we like to bash him on the air, there are definitely still people that support him. I, and I find that incredibly crazy. Yeah. Oh, the NFL is screwing Antonio Brown. They want to take his money on him. Stop. Yeah. Give me a break. But uh, listen, to AB's credit, apparently he killed his his interview with, with the NFL. Apparently that meeting he held with the NFL, apparently he absolutely killed it. Which is a shock to me because I don't I just I don't think his mind is in the right place, but maybe I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he deserves what, a fifth chance? Well, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. It's. I, I'm just. I'm so done with him, Monica. I just am. Yeah. I'm so done with him. Well, get get ready for this because this is kind of making me mad. Um, you know, Colin Kaepernick, right? Mm. Did I get that right? Yeah, she did. I did. Had his workouts this weekend, and uh, Jerry Jones commented that it was a circus. And we all know that Jerry Jones doesn't like him because he refuses to stand. Pie. And he just disrespects he will, the flag. He, he will not get pie. So now we have a congressman um, out of Georgia saying that maybe the NFL should be brought up on some kind of charges. Oh, my God. For their horrific treatment of Colin. And oh, then, my wait, wait, God. Wait, it gets better. Al Sharpton's involved. Boom. All right. So Al Sharpton gets involved. It's. Automatically it's, gonna gonna, it's automatically going to blow up into this gigantic yeah. thing. Uh, first of all, I, let me just, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not even going to get into it because the, we could talk all day about Al Sharpton's back taxes and everything like that, but yeah. we'll, we'll save that for another day. But I do kind of want to get into this, too. Charge for what? Charge for it what? Says, Collusion? Um, maybe the NFL feels a little heat about their antitrust exemption. And the fact that the Judiciary Committee stands ready under the leadership of the chair of the Antitrust Subcommittee. Sounds like a whole lot of who shot John. I mean, for real? What does that even mean? Well, here's my, here's my thing. Here's my thing. There's multiple grounds where I cannot stand this argument. And this is why Colin Kaepernick will never get a job in the NFL again. And to be honest with you, the workout was scheduled. There was going to be more than three quarters of the league uh, at this workout. And I was honestly, I was actually thinking, Colin Kaepernick is going to get a job. 
This is the year of the backup quarterback. Everybody needs an extra one. Somebody might give him a shot. Seriously, he'll play for somebody. Now I'm totally off the board again. Because, first of all, he keeps blowing his opportunity. The NFL set up an inter- uh, set up a workout with him, with real NFL coaches, with real uh, with real wide receivers. Real. They set him up, a- and just because, th- first of all, how many cameras do you think are allowed at a private workout? Nobody gets cameras at a private workout. Yeah. Th- Colin Kaepernick was just like, well, I want the media there. Why? Of course he does. So you could use it for a Nike commercial. Yeah. Like that's first of all, that's the first thing that bothers me. The second thing that bothers me is. There is no collusion, okay? It depends on how you define collusion to me, right? If everybody's not bringing him into the league for the same reason, that's what you feel about collusion, okay, that's fine. But we know damn well why they're not bringing him in. You're basically telling me that people are saying, well, we don't really care if Kaepernick's bad for your business. You should let him play anyway because he's good enough. No, I shouldn't. Does that mean that somebody else... uh, Does that mean that, oh, I don't know, the Miami Dolphins should go bring in Antonio Brown because he'll sell tickets? No. Those same people are going to say, no, Antonio Brown should never touch an NFL field again. Okay. Well, stay on that side of the coin then. Right. There is no collusion here. Why would anybody want to bring Colin Kaepernick into that uh, into that locker room not or in, not even I'm not even sure he would be a locker room uh, a locker room problem. He would be a media issue. He would be your backup quarterback. He's not your starter. Right. It isn't like he was any good when he exited the league three years ago. He's gone three years without playing in the NFL. That's a lifetime in NFL years. And as soon as you bring him in, you will be the team that brought in Colin Kaepernick. What's the issue here? Do you really want that negative connotation there? And people are going to argue, why is it a negative connotation? Because he sat for the flag. Right. That's why. If you're going to act so inept to this situation, then you shouldn't be talking about it. I'm sorry. Well, I know you're pretty fired up, but you ready for the last one here? No, I'm not ready. Here, <laughs> here let me just, I, I, like I said, I'm going to air out a little bit more on all this. Right, all right. Okay. Hold on, Evan. Let, yeah, hang on. I'm, I'm, hang I'm, on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> People got to understand. He's going to say, people are going to say, oh, they, the NFL refused his right to exercise his First First Amendment right. Right. Okay. Let's say this. I'm not going to do a show for a month in protest. (laughs) Uh, This network does not represent what I think they should represent. So in protest, I will not do a show for a month. Or for the first segment of my show, I will remain silent and have 20 minutes of dead air. You know what they would do? They would fire me. Colin Kaepernick has absolutely every right to stand for what he believes in. Or Neil, whether you know, pun absolutely yeah, intended. Whatever. But he has every right to do that. Not while he's at work. Right. Okay. When he's on an NFL football field, you are under the employment of your organization and the NFL. Okay. Once you're under there, you are under their rules. If they tell you to stand, 
then you absolutely do so. I, you I, are at work, or else you will get fired. That is what happens with Kaepernick. I 100% agree, and I have a huge issue with that altogether. If you don't like this country, and you can't stand for the flag where people have lost their lives, they serve to protect our freedoms every day, get out. Here's my thing. I'm done. Here's my thing. I, I'm not even going to go as far to say that. I'm not I even going to. I, 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 like- I, I know, but I, I'm not even going to go as far to say that he doesn't like the country. Because I, I don't think that he doesn't like the country. But what he doesn't but realize I is it's disrespectful that he, to those that have served. And and maybe can he doesn't we, understand. Can we admit now that he doesn't want to play football? He doesn't want to play football. There's absolutely no way that he could do what he did on Saturday and expect to play football. I agree. I, I just I don't see the explanation he's here. He's another drama. Maybe he's the, your next contender for the uh, drama. King. Biggest diva. Well, he's got to be in. Diva. He's got to be. Well, he's actually, maybe be. maybe he doesn't. Antonio Brown wasn't in the league when he when he won his That's award. That's true. So, so I don't know. There's always exceptions. We'll have to see. But I I, I think honestly it, this whole Kaepernick thing is going to get put to rest because he's not going to get signed after this, and oh, then man. after that it's just going to be put to bed. I, I think this whole Kaepernick thing is over. Yeah. Well, I really well, do. What's not over Nobody is, else's fault but his own. Is uh, the situation with Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. So I had an interesting comment from a listener who is uh, one of Suffolk County's finest police officers who said, just so you're aware, forcibly taking property from another person, a.k.a. Miles Garrett ripping the helmet, is robbery in the third degree. Hitting that same person in the head with the same object you just stole is called assault in the second degree. So you have that issue, but what's also in the back burner going on is now it seems to be turning into a race issue that the the white guy wasn't suspended, the black guys were. What what's happening here? I mean. You know, they're now saying... Yeah, so Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, and Marquise Pouncey all got suspended, and they're all African-American. Right. And Mason Rudolph, who's the lone white guy in this situation, got off scot-free. That's how most people look at this, right? Do people realize that he's the one that got hit in the head with a helmet? And what, what the guy's I've probably heard, got a permanent dent in his head. What I've heard is that they're probably um, they're saying about him is that once he got up, he escalated it. He absolutely of escalated he did, it because he was just attacked. Uh, right. If you want, yeah. okay. And people are going to say, "Oh, well, Mason Rudolph started the fight." Mason Rudolph did not start the fight. Miles Garrett started the fight with the late hit. Yeah. That's what it was. It was a drastically late hit. The right. game was over. There was eight seconds left on the clock. Mason Rudolph's like, why the hell are you hitting me like this? Right. Okay, the game is absolutely 100% over. Are you serious about this? Yeah. Like, it yeah. was it, I, ridiculous to me. But so, that, like, and people say, well, well he, he did try to pull off Miles Garrett's helmet. Yeah, because Miles Garrett's on top of him. Right. Give me a break. I mean, I mean, watch the video. That's all I can say. Mason Rudolph is not an innocent party, but trust me, the NFL is not going to trust is not going to treat him like an innocent party. Okay, he's gonna get. He's gonna pay a hefty fine. You got to realize that he will play pay a thousands and thousands of dollar fine. He will. Miles Garrett got. You, you can't tell me 
that Miles Garrett should not have gotten suspended. You no. can't tell me that either one of the other guys, Larry Ogunjobi, should have gotten suspended. Marquise Pouncey, who was defending his quarterback, should have gotten suspended. But the, God, why are we reaching for so much crap now? It's ridiculous. It's a race issue now. Jeez. I hate that. It's just you know what? I don't know. Miles Garrett hit him in the head with a helmet. That's that's the end of the story right there. Miles Garrett is not. uh, I'm sorry. Mason Rudolph is not going to get as as big of a suspension as Miles Garrett, and that might mean Mason Rudolph doesn't get suspended at all. What What do you want? Whatever. All right. You're pretty fired up now. Oh yeah, I'm angry. I'm playing angry. I'm not performing well because I'm playing. Don't throw I, anything. I, I, I'm me. performing okay. angry, Evan. I'm not. Go down. Pre- go down the floor, Philip. Go down the floor. <laughs> Lie down the floor, Philip Rivers. We're gonna have to hug it out. And, and, then go, and, then, and then go to the Bears, and then you'll fail there, but you'll still go in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like Evan's pretty fired up about Philip Rivers. Because yeah. like, listen, listen. Can I say this about Philip Rivers? You've yeah, had really quick, I, and I understand. I understand. He's had all the. T- he's had. He's in a bad situation with the Chargers. They moved to San Diego. Moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. This guy has had all the talent in the world: Malcolm Floyd, Vincent Jackson, Antonio Gates, Melvin Gordon, with Damian Thompson, Darren Sproles, Antonio Gates. You have all the talent in the world, and he can't get the job done. I mean, come on. I'm so. I'm so. I'm just tired of it with Philip Rivers. I am. I, I'm just tired of it. Sixteen years you've been a starter. Or so, close to that. Don't get him a Rivers jersey, all right? I actually got my dad a Rivers jersey for Father's Day. Uh, no. Because, no, because he doesn't call Philip Rivers Philip Rivers. He calls him Deke Rivers. Because that's a character that Elvis Presley played in a movie. Ah. So he calls him Deke Rivers. So I bought him a Philip Rivers jersey because I know he likes I know he likes Philip Rivers. So my dad's favorite, one of my dad's favorite singers is Elvis Presley. But actually, he is his favorite. Him and the, that and the Beatles. But. All right, that's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Get me fired up on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> actually, it's afternoon. It's actually exactly it's noon right now. We have officially reached uh, the, At the, the noon buzzer, time. It's the noon time. All right. Uh, coming up next, brand new top ten list this week and a brand new number one. Oh, I think I know who it is. That is coming up. Top of hour number two. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number two. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldwideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Monica Ray, Big J Journalist. Good to have you in. Hour number two here on a Tuesday. Uh, absolutely loaded today. Speedy Petey in about 20 minutes. Um, but I do this every single Tuesday. Top 10 teams in the NFL after week 11. Uh, here we go. All right. We're going to start with number 10. Uh, Houston. Uh, I think that... Hold on a second. We okay over there? Yeah, the music's playing around. Here we go. All right, let's do it over. Go for it. Yeah, start over. So anyway, Monica, of course. Your number 10 pick. All right, Houston. Here's my thing. I I get that they took a bad loss to Baltimore this week. In Baltimore, I still think Deshaun Watson is one of the two or three MVPs of the league right now. Um, Their offensive line has played a lot better. They still get after the quarterback. 
just a bad week. But listen, if this is a, I think they're still the favorites to win the AFC South. Still a, good, a well-coached team. This is still a talented team. Deshaun Watson's going to take them places. I wouldn't be surprised if they won a playoff game. De- Houston's good. Don't let this loss bother you. I did drop them a little bit, but Houston is still good. Uh, they're at number 10. Moving on to number 9. Uh, Dallas. This is where I got them. Look, talent-wise, they're among the top five teams in the league. Uh, Coaching-wise, they're among the bottom five teams in the league. It's just... That's the way that the that's the story of this team. Like they could win a playoff game, could maybe even win two playoff games. Uh, and Dak Prescott is having one of the best analytical seasons of all time. It's just the fact that situationally they're very average, but talent really is catapulting them. They really, really are. Now, listen, I don't love the way that their defense played against Jeff Driscoll uh, last week, but I would expect this just to kind of be like a fluky week. I mean, that's really where I expect this to go. The talent-wise, they're great. Still think they're going to win the uh, the NFC East. They're number nine. Number eight. Green Bay. Uh, look, this team has actually taken a, a really big dip. I'm really surprised where they're where they're at right now. Uh, they're just getting a little bit more inconsistent. Their defense has not played nearly as well. Aaron Rodgers is in a pat, uh, a bad couple of weeks in a row uh i wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if they jumped back up into this because they have been playing well they they were great early on in the year uh like i said i don't think that they're going to win the division anymore as crazy as that sounds i'm not in love with the fact that they could win the division i think they're going to be about 11 and 5 by the end of the year maybe 10 and 6 they're going to finish the year at about 3 and 3 or 4 and 2 and that's where they're going to end the season and that's perfectly fine they're going to be good but I think right now Minnesota is the favorite to win the division. Green Bay right now sits at number eight. Number seven. Kansas City. Uh, this is, the, it's so hard to diagnose them because uh, their defense, I will say this, has improved a little bit, but it is still not good. This is still a very below average defense. I think this is still a bottom quarter of the league defense. This is a very reliant on Patrick Mahomes type team. Okay, they need their quarterback to play incredibly well every single game. Winning in Mexico City yesterday, but I'm going to be honest with you. Philip Rivers threw four picks yesterday. You should have won that game by 20 and you lo- and you won it by 7. That's a little concerning to me. I think their offense is going to win them games down the stretch, but defensively is uh, it's their defense that's going to hold them back. They don't run the football all that well. They don't really stop the run. But this air attack is still incredibly good. Depending on how long they're going to have Tyree Kill out, we'll see where that goes. But they go into the bye this week as number seven. Number six. Minnesota. Uh, The Vikings, I think, again, they were down 20 to nothing at home to Denver. And then they came back and won the game. So there is merit to that. There's merit in coming all the way back and scoring 23 unanswered points or 24 unanswered points. There needs to be some sort of concern there for uh, how they get down early. But let me just say this. They were not down 20 to nothing in that game because of Kirk Cousins. They were not. Kirk Cousins was phenomenal in that football game. Only had seven incompletions all game out of 35 attempts. He was absolutely fantastic. He's playing his best football right now. 
And he's doing it without Adam Thielen. People got to remember this. Adam Thielen is not playing right now for the Vikings. He's hurt. So I'll say this. He didn't have Dalvin Cook that uh, last week. He was on the field, but he didn't play well. Minnesota, as far as the roster is concerned, like I said, 5-1 and one in their last six games. They go into the bye this week. Minnesota, I think, is a real legit team. I think they're the favorite to win the, uh, the NFC North. Minnesota Vikings, they're number six. Number five. Seattle. Uh, coming off the bye this week. Uh, I, look, Russell Wilson, I think, is the MVP of the league. If you ask me right now, Russell Wilson's the MVP of the league. He's doing so much more with so much less than anybody else in the entire NFL. He leads the league in touchdown passes. Uh, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL this year. As far as anything else is concerned, he's just been phenomenal. He's just been phenomenal. I, I hate to break it to you. Just the, this defense, as far as that's concerned, it, it's it's scarce. It's Jadavion Clowney, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, and, and a bunch of guys. I, I really don't see a ton of talent on this on this defense. They traded a lot of those guys away. They're trying to rebuild it. This is a bad offensive line, but Russell Wilson is elevating them into a top-five NFL team. Seattle Seahawks, they're number five. Number four. New England. I, I, I'm going to say it now. The New England Patriots, I, I'm just, I'm so iffy on New England going forward. This is a bad offense. I think this was a bad week for them, despite the fact that they got a win. It was a bad week for them. They couldn't squeak by. They barely squeaked by the Eagles with no Alshon Jeffrey, no Deshaun Jackson, a defense that doesn't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and a secondary that's one of the worst in the league. You've got to take advantage of that game. You matched up well against Philadelphia. You did. I get you were on the road, but still, you've got to take advantage of that matchup. You do. That The offensive line is there. People can say what they want about weapons. This is not crazy different to what Brady's had in the past. I see true digression out of Tom Brady. I see true digression out of this offense. And I'm wondering how long this defense can carry them before they tire out. I'm just... I'm so on the fence with New England. I'm not all in on them at all. Uh, give me New England as number four. Number three. San Francisco. Uh, right now, best record in the NFC. Still incredibly good. Their offense has been a little bit streaky lately, but they're incredibly well coached. A ton of talent. John Lynch has drafted incredibly well. Great offensive line. Bookend tackles. Jimmy Garoppolo, I tweeted out this week, Jimmy Garoppolo does not impress me that much. He's a very average quarterback to me, but for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, Jimmy Garoppolo fits that fits that scheme perfectly. He's. I, I wish he was a little bit more accurate more often, but he played a good game this Sunday. Uh, Arizona plays good football, so I don't really think that they should have blown them out. San Francisco's good. And again, that front seven that they have is scary. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, in the entire NFL. They're going to be a contender going forward. I think think the NFC West is theirs. Uh, Seattle will have something to say about it, but I still think San Francisco edges them out. Uh, Give me the 49ers at number three. Number two. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, The Saints, I I dropped them down a spot. Um, Look, they needed a rebound win, and they got it. They beat Tampa Bay. They blew out Tampa Bay. And for everybody that was questioning, oh, maybe it's a quarterback battle between Breeze and Bridgewater. No, it's not. It's Drew Breeze. Like, 
he's a Hall of Famer. He's still the most accurate quarterback in the league. I mean, Drew Brees is going to be their quarterback till the day he retires. Okay, so I think we're kind of realizing Michael Thomas is breaking records at wide receiver. They're getting Alvin Kamara back. This is a great offensive line. Their defense has played relatively well. New Orleans, I still have a ton of confidence in, uh, based on experience, based on coaching. Sean Payton, uh, I, they are—they're a good team. They're—they are a really good team going forward. Veteran leadership, uh, a lot of guys that you can rely on. Uh, I'm comfortable with the New Orleans Saints. They're number two, and Mike Guido's number one NFL team is the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. And here's my uh, look. Look how happy Evan is. I, I, I gave a little wave. I'm like, hi. <laughs> yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry. I I am. Evan and I are victim to this. We doubted them at the beginning of the year. I picked them to go, I think, like 7-9 and nine or something like that. Evan had them at 5-11 and 11 below the Bengals. I mean, Jesus, like Evan. A, well, no, well I did terrible. not have them below the Bengals. Yes, okay. you did. No. You had the Bengals at 6-10. and 10. Did I really have them Yes, yes. Did I? Yes. We'll have to look back on that. If I did, I don't know how I have a 6-10, but if we did, all right. I'll take your word for it. Anyway, uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Uh, if there's anybody competing for the MVP against Russell Wilson, it is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. They run the football so incredibly well. They take control of the clock better than any team that I've ever seen, truthfully. Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Lamar Jackson running the football. You gave him some wide receivers, and guess what? He can throw the ball, too. This is a great offensive line. He's got great tight ends that can block and receive. Uh, and to be honest, with you, this is the best this defense has ever played. They're getting hot at the right time. The, this secondary is absolutely sick. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Earl Thomas, they have stars in that secondary. Do I wish they maybe got after the quarterback a little bit more? Yes, but they still do it. They still get after it. I, this is a good team. I, the Baltimore Ravens are a legitimate, legitimate NFL team. Right now, I think they're the favorite to go in the AFC. And honestly, they might be the best team in the NFL. I shouldn't say might. They are number one on my list. But they yeah. are making a really they are making a really strong case to be everybody's number one. It, they are putting on a really impressive showing. Uh, I mean, they're blowing out teams that they shouldn't blow out. They blew out New England. They just blew out Houston. I mean, they are blowing out teams. They're blowing them out. So I'm in on Baltimore. The division is theirs. The AFC North is theirs. I, right now, I think they're the favorite to be. Um, they're the favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Definitely going to get a first-round buy. I'm all in on the Ravens. All in on the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. All right, so just all to right. recap, Houston at 10, Dallas at 9, Green Bay at 8, Kansas City at 7, Minnesota at 6, Seattle at 5, New England at 4, San Francisco at 3, New Orleans at 2, and then the Baltimore Ravens at number 1. There we go. Top 10 teams in the NFL after week 11. All what right. do we think? I'll have to check back on I'll definitely have to check back on, on you with the Cincinnati Bengals prediction because I had the Ravens sweeping the Bengals this year. So if I, if I had the Bengals at 6-10, I'd have them at 6-10. But I'll have to check back with you on that. I remember you had the Ravens in last place. Well, I, I, 
I, I don't know, but I, again, I'll have to check back with you on that one. Yeah, if the I, Ravens if I, if I had last the, place, you had the if I had Browns the, winning the division. If I had the Bengals at six, oh, I know that. If I had the Bengals at six to ten, I had the Bengals at six to ten. But I had the Ravens sweeping the Cincinnati. Um, I, I also want to say I did give him seven wins after Ben's injury, so I do want to throw that in there. I know as as much uh-huh. as you did. I did. I did. So after that. week one, you said, "All right, maybe they'll win seven. After after Ben's yeah. injury in week two, I was like, "Okay, they'll probably sweep Pittsburgh." Yeah. Ba- all right, Baltimore number one. I still wouldn't put them over Green Bay, New Orleans. Oh my God, Evan! You've got to get over Green Bay. I, I, I again, I like. You've got to get over the Packers. I like again. I think better quarterback. I, I do think they have an effective running game. I like their again. I think the receivers could be better. Defensively, they get after the quarterback. Offensive they get, they get line turn, they get heavily turnover. in favor of the Ravens. I would uh, agree. They get wide rec- they, group of wide receivers. I, I I think I'd take Baltimore. Better quarterback this year has been Lamar Jackson. Better running game, clearly the Ravens. In a playoff, but in a playoff game, big game atmosphere, you're still taking Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. I'm taking I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. All right. I think the Baltimore Ravens right now are the best team in the NFL. I mean, I wouldn't bet against them now, for notice, anything. Notice I'm saying NFL, not AFC. If you, I think the they Ravens are the, ever, I think they the are the best. Te- they are the best team in the NFL. They've they've blown in New England. They've blown in Houston. They've proven that right now, as of they're now, easily the best team in the AFC right now. They're proving as of now they're the best team in the AFC. They are, and that must make you a very very happy boy. Very very happy. Yeah, whenever <laughs> we're off air, he just can't stop jumping for some reason very. and cheering. Well, yeah, it's like it's like I'm like I'm like Super Mario jumping on uh, blocks and getting coins. All right. Uh, Coming up next, we got Speedy Petey, producer of pretty much every show on this network. I want to get his thoughts because he was always high on Baltimore. But after this, how high is he on Baltimore now? That's coming up next. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Monica here on a Tuesday. I uh, want to bring on somebody that knows a lot more about football than I do. Uh, Speedy Petey, our producer for pretty much every show on this network, our football guru. Speedy, uh, it's good to talk to you. Uh, I, listen, I found out that Dak Prescott, is having one of the best analytical seasons of all time. Okay? He isn't really in the MVP conversation. Nobody really talks about it. Should Dak Prescott be in the MVP conversation? Yeah, I mean, he's had a nice year, but MVP conversation is a bit of a stretch. I still think Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, even though he had a rough game, I, I would say Christian McCaffrey, if we're judging non-quarterbacks, I still think those guys are ahead. And here's something that I think was brought to it. How about the year Michael Thomas is having, if you're talking uh, wide receiver for MVP? I didn't realize how close he was to a lot of records all time. I knew he was having a great season, but he's having a better season than I thought and doing a lot of it with Teddy Bridgewater, too. So those are really the the ones you look at. Lamar Jackson's now surging recently in order to get it into that conversation as well. I still think it's Russell Wilson's though to lose. So uh, you're watching you're watching Dak Prescott, right? And 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 everybody knows that there's improvement there in that in that area with uh, with Dak. What what are you seeing that's improved with him? What what do you like about him now that maybe you didn't in the past? 
one thing spreading the ball around. I think he's more confident in his other receivers, and definitely that is also the play calling too with Kellen Moore in comparison to Jason Garrett calling five yard routes all the time. But obviously, Dak Prescott has to make those throws too, and just to the extent of he's been able to read those routes better. I think that helps a lot more. He's not forced feeding the ball all the time. He saw in the second half last year, as well as he played, he did rely on force feeding Amari Cooper a lot, and when Amari Cooper was taken away in particular games, they didn't move the ball as well. So, even though Amari Cooper's had a phenomenal year, too, it's other guys making it work. Michael Gallup finally had some big games. Not a lot of them, but some big games. Randall Cobb has been useful at times where it didn't seem like they had that second guy at all last year. At least they have it to some extent now. It's still, again, a weakness, but it's not Amari Cooper and the next receiver being a big significant drop-off anymore. It, it, it's a drop-off, but it's not an unreliable drop-off. Uh, okay, so I put the... Baltimore Ravens as the number one team in the NFL. Uh, right now, clearly the best team in the AFC. They're blowing out teams that are their, top, are, are their top competitors in the conference, blowing out New England, blowing out Houston. Uh, they're, just, they're, they're blowing out teams that they really shouldn't be blowing out. Right now, I think they're the best team in the NFL, uh, Speedy. Now, I know you were always high on them, but where do, you, where do you stand on them now? Are they the best team in the NFL? Uh, no, I'm not going to go that far just because I think the NFC still has the stronger teams as a whole. The Ravens were blowing out very good teams. But again, they're very good teams of the AFC. The AFC. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the discrepancy with the AFC and the NFC this year. It's turning into the east and west of the NBA, if you look at it. The, the AFC has two really good teams, and the Ravens and the Patriots, and then I think there's a really big drop-off after that. The NFC has a lot of good teams. They already have five teams that have won eight games. There's a lot of good six and four, five and five teams as well, so it's a big difference. So I still right now have the Saints as my number one team, and I know you did a couple weeks ago too. I still have them there. I know they had that one bad loss to Atlanta, but they, in my opinion, are still the number one team. I think what they did against the Buccaneers defensively without Marshawn Lattimore this week was very impressive. And Again, you got Green Bay, you got the 49ers. Whoever wins their head-to-head matchup this week is probably two in my mind. I like the Ravens a lot, and I've been very impressed with the way they have blown out certain teams. And they don't have many weaknesses. And I've said that for a while. Talent-wise, it's really just receiver, a couple offensive line spots are really their only weaknesses, and maybe some secondary spots with the way they've been banged up this year. But they're, they're definitely in the conversation. I just can't put them quite over those NFC top dogs right now, and I think the same for the Packers. So I have them probably third. I, I think that's a pretty fair mark because I can agree with you where they have looked better like as an all-around team than the Patriots have. I don't know about the other two, uh, the other two that I just mentioned. Yeah, it, it's interesting to bring New England up because I've been, uh, listen, at least for the past number of weeks, I've been really skeptical about them just because I, their offense does not look good. They're, uh, they're, 
I think their defense late in the year could tire out. I see true digression out of Tom Brady. And in a matchup this weekend where I really do think that they had the advantage here, that, uh, it was an Eagles team with a weak secondary. They don't put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Carson Wentz didn't have Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson. The, New England should have won this game, and they should have won it by 100. So I, I just... I'm really iffy on them. How do you feel about New England at this point in time? I think they're still fine. I think the two games that they just played are the two games they very much lost when we were looking at their schedule throughout the year. At Baltimore, at Philadelphia, those are the two most losable games. They beat the Patriots, they beat the Eagles, but lost to the Ravens. And while the Eagles maybe statistically haven't been able to get the sacks that we've known them to get in years past. They still have the talent on the defensive line to do that, and they still have the depth and the identity that works on the Patriots. You need to obviously rush the passer. and need to use power rushers. Patriots tend to do well against speed rushing teams. So they still have that kind of identity to make it work. Ronald Darby, who's been out most of the year, came back and he played well in that game, I thought, which is a big boost for their secondary because, again, even though he has declined as a player a little bit. He's still the best corner they have by a lot. So they needed him to play well, and he he did. I think he was more of the younger corners that struggled. Jalen Mills did well in the first half, wasn't really great in the second. So I think the Eagles, I think, will be fine in terms of their defense taking strides. I think it was more of a good defensive performance by them than a, a bad offensive by the Patriots. But the Patriots receivers did drop a lot of passes, though, too, which is a bad look. And, again, Tom Brady statistically did not play well in that game. Julian Edelman had the lone touchdown pass. I mean, Brady didn't even have one. I think he had – I don't know if he had an interception, but he, just, he definitely didn't. didn't have any touchdowns. So I don't I don't know if it's going to be an overreaction thing for the Patriots where their offense will be just bad forever. But, I mean, there is – more defensive reliance on this team than I remember probably since the year Brady was hurt. Yeah, it, it's that's really, again, I, I'm just so iffy on them right now. they got to show me something. They really hasn't, haven't shown me anything to give me any confidence in them. But uh, tell me if you agree with this, Speed. So I think a lot of performing well has to do with whether or not you're happy. You know, whether or not you're in a good mood. Because whenever you're in a good mood, you tend to perform better. And when I'm watching last night with the Chiefs and the Chargers, I know how much you love the Chargers, but it's... Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> like... Just lose in classic Chargers fashion? But this is, this is my thing, Speedy, is I, I'm watching with my fiancé last night, and she's saying, God, there's just something about Patrick Mahomes, and it just it looks iconic. It looks like he's... He looks like he's freer. He's looser. He looks fluid. And Phillip Rivers looks really rigid, really stiff, really aggravated, really overwhelmed. It's just, Phillip Rivers does not look comfortable. He seems like he's frustrated. He seems like he's done. Do you think that there needs to be, like, a mutual uh, separation between the Chargers and Phillip Rivers, and they both need to move on with their careers? Well, I've said this for a while. Phillip Rivers has been like this for a while. I think... This isn't the first time he's been like that, especially late in the game. And it's only coming to light now because the Chargers have 
are really quote unquote underperforming to a lot of people. So I think it it's just shedding light on something that's been Philip Rivers for a while now. He tends to get frustrated. He tends to get frustrated at referees a lot. He tends to get frustrated at teammates a lot. I, it, everyone talks about that being an issue with guys like Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger, but it's been more of an issue to Philip Rivers than a lot of people have realized. And now it's again only just coming to light now that the Chargers in a very weak AFC are four and seven. So I think now it's just coming to light to people. I think he's been that way for quite a while now. He really wasn't like that when he was young, young, at the prime of his career, or even when he was 27, 28, 29. But these last, I would say, four or five seasons, he's really been like that. And now statistically, he's getting like it too. Usually, it was just either late in the game or maybe with an injury or getting close losses. But now even statistically, it has rattled him, too. It used to be Philip Rivers would still get the stats to go with it. He'd still throw 300 yards and three touchdowns, but he just would make costly dumb mistakes and get frustrated like that. Or, like I said, it gets frustrated with referees as well. But now it's actually really impacting him statistically. I'm not sure what his contract situation is like off the top of my head. but He's a free agent after this year. He is up after this year? Yes, he is. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, they definitely could move on from him because even the statistics that he showed in the past were, I know he was still pretty high in the passing yards, but that was the discrepancy was a couple games. It really wasn't a steady, he's having 300 yards, high 200 yard performances every game. There's only certain games where he's done that this year. So I could see where they move on from him. And I think it's, it's quite possible. And I don't know if they move on from a lot of the other offensive players, but I definitely could see him from him being, he's, I think, 36 years old now. And, again, he's statistically on a downslope. And he continues to be frustrated like I think he has been the last couple of years, really. So I, I've, I've said this, uh, I said this earlier in the week. I said this yesterday. Uh, I think the Bears are done with Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to ask you a little bit about that in a little bit. Um, but I think that... Philip Rivers, I don't think his career is over. I think a change of scenery could be nice for him. And I really like the fit in Chicago. You know, Chicago has to take advantage of this roster. They have to take advantage of this defense. They can't punt on the season, uh, uh, on the remainder of this defense. Uh, and they, got, they can't waste any more years on Mitch. Philip Rivers has had success in his career. He's a veteran. He's, he's uh, at most points in his career, was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I like the Chicago fit for Philip Rivers. What do you say? Uh, what say you? Uh, see, I don't for for these two reasons. One of which is, I think if Philip Rivers is going to go somewhere else, I think he's going to want he's going to want a, a chance. I think to wait, and I think. He's going to want to say in the AFC to do that because I know the NFC is just really strong right now, and I think it's going to be very hard. So I think if Philip Rivers is going to go somewhere else, he wouldn't do it in the AFC. And I think if there's one NFC team he would do it, it would be again he went to NC State, women's surprise, it would be Carolina if they decide to move on from Cam Newton, which is a big possibility. Now the other reason I don't. Really, uh, there's two other reasons I really don't like it too. 
he's doing struggling now with the Chargers with really, really good receivers, two really good running backs. Now you go to Chicago where you got Robinson, who's nice. you got Cohen, who's nice, and not much else. Very similar offensive line problems. So I don't really see where that's a huge upgrade to be able to perform. And I also think, too, that he doesn't really seem like the type that would want to help out Trubisky if they want to bring him in as a stopgap. They want to bring him in as a mentor for Trubisky. I really don't see Phillip Rivers being that type of guy. They never really have young backup quarterbacks there. And like you and I were both saying with his personality, I don't think he's really the type that would want to mentor a guy like Trubisky. So I don't really see that fit working. I think if he were to go somewhere, it'd probably be one of the AFC South teams. Again, a spot that's very winnable because the AFC is not very good. So I think maybe they just need a, a, a he needs a change of scenery in that way, and a, a better chance for him to win, which is I don't think is in the NFC because there's a lot of good teams in the NFC. And I think again, the only one I think it would be the NFC just because he went to NC State from that around that area is uh, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, all right, so we move on to Mitch Trubisky. So I first of all. I, I think it's pretty clear-cut. I, I think we need to stop putting him in the same conversation. Jared Goff is better than Mitch Trubisky, and it's not even close. Okay, if you watch them both, they are just two completely different guys. Jared Goff is miles better than Mitch Trubisky at this point. But Matt Nagy swore up and down to the media uh, a couple of nights ago that he pulled Mitch Trubisky on the final drive because it was a hip thing. The hip was bothering him. It was a... It was a injury wasn't feeling right I was asking myself is is the hip not right or is the quarterback not right I think the Bears are done with him now that doesn't mean that they don't start him again this year but I think the Bears are kind of recognizing that Mitch Trubisky is not going to be their guy going forward how do you feel about the Mitch Trubisky Bears situation right now well I don't think his talent was ever amazing I think he was just last year he was just a fit he made some deep throws on occasion that were good, but he wasn't an overly skilled quarterback. And now that they're taking away those kinds of aspects and making him actually throw more sophisticated, he hasn't been as good. So I do think he has definitely gone back to normal, I guess, for what I thought he was as a prospect. So I didn't really like him as a prospect. But again, I uh, I also think there are other factors with that. I think their offensive line, which overperformed last year, came back down to earth. Some of the receivers that overperformed last year came back down to earth, too. So I do think there's other factors. And, again, maybe this hip thing is hurting his mobility, too, because Matt Nagy is very similar to a lot of the other younger offensive minds, a lot of motion in that offense, a lot of wacky formations that involve those kinds of little lap passes. And if you're not doing well on a a hip issue that's not going to help your play on if you're rolling out to the left if you're trying to extend the play with again a crappy offensive line that's going to obviously impede that so again i'll give him maybe some leeway on the hip issue because again it is it is something that could definitely hurt that kind of offense but again at the same time i never was really high on mitch trubisky as a quarterback either and i don't really think he's grown now, again, I guess, uh, there are other factors to consider with that, like I said, but, I mean, he's skill-wise hasn't really done anything to say, all right, he's taking this next step. Even if it's not statistically, even if he's 
not putting up the same numbers, even if he's not putting up bigger games throughout the year or other clutch drives or whatever. He really hasn't done anything to say this guy is taking a next step. He's still kind of where he is or maybe even below that. Uh, all right, Speedy, I ask you this pretty much every single week. Um so going into next week, uh, it's week 12. It's the final bye week. The last four teams that, do, that haven't taken their byes yet are on bye next week. So no Arizona, no Kansas City, no Chargers, no Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so next week, I always ask you this, what, what is the matchup we should be looking for, and what are the things that we're not thinking about that we should be looking for going into next week? The matchup, I think, is Packers 49ers, and I think that's, fairly obvious. I think you, I, I talked about the 49ers with the with the Saints, with the Packers. Those are the NFC powerhouses right now. I think you can throw the Seahawks in there too. Those are the NFC powerhouses right now and it's interesting because the Packers just coming off a of bye week they have all this time to prepare for it. If it's in San Francisco which is tough to play in. The 49ers I think have a lot of good matchup advantages in this game that they could utilize with their running game with their offensive creativity. So it's definitely very interesting the way that's going to go down. The Packers are obviously a, very, a team very used to the spotlight, used to prime time. Aaron Rodgers, again, not as good of a prime time quarterback as other top quarterbacks, but he's still a good, very good prime time quarterback. And the 49ers now, they're gaining a lot of national spotlight, and they're becoming a pretty good prime time team. So they lost a tough one to Seattle Monday night a couple weeks ago, but they've still been, over the course of the season, a good primetime team. So it'll definitely be interesting in that matchup. Uh, in terms of what to look for this week, I think, obviously, the NFC East race is very interesting. Now Dallas gets to face New England. Uh, Philly now faces Seattle, so both of them have tough tests. Dallas has a chance to take a two-game lead if they can somehow shock the Patriots, which I I don't think will happen at all. But how much of a chance do you want to get? How much of a chance do you give that, Speedy? Because I'll be honest with you, if if I were going to pick the game right now, I actually like the Cowboys in Foxborough. No, I don't. It's it's in Foxborough. I think the Patriots, like you were saying, they need to find something offensively. And honestly, Dallas's defense struggling the way they did against Jeff Driscoll is. Kind of concerning, so I'm not going to give. I think it's really kind of a 20 percent chance I give the Cowboys, maybe even less. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. But going back to the outlook of the whole, the Eagles also get to play the Seahawks too. So can the Eagles get a big win? They're playing at home, which is good. But the Seattle hasn't been the same. All right, they're not good on the road team this year. They're still undefeated on the road. They've won in San Francisco just recently, so I think that narrative with the Seahawks has to go away with this particular team because, again, they've lost twice at home and are undefeated on the road. So, again, it's still a tough place to play in Philadelphia, but, again, if the Eagles maybe can't take advantage of gaining ground when the Cowboys will face the Patriots, they'll definitely keep that race very interesting going into the last month of the season. Because, again, it looks like the other five teams in the NFC, their playoff spots are pretty much locked. They would have to take a major collapse in order to do that. So it's really just the NFC East race that is the interesting one. 
the AFC is kind of top-heavy, and we know that already. It's really just the South that the the race now with that. So it's it's interesting. I think the NFC East, though, I think is the most interesting with those two teams. So. Rams-Ravens, Monday night. Uh, Wade, this is an interesting matchup. Wade Phillips' defense and his and his coaching ability against this Ravens offense. What can what do you expect Wade Phillips to do to at least limit this Ravens offense on Monday night to give the Rams to help the Rams out uh, to help the Rams out? It's interesting because the Rams, the way their defense is structured, don't really have the matchup advantages that would help against the Ravens. I've said for a while that they struggle against the outside run. Don't be surprised if Wade Phillips implements a game plan like we saw the Chargers do in the playoffs last year. Maybe more safeties on the field or corners on the field to try to stop Lamar Jackson because they they do not have the linebacker talent, I think, to do that with the exception of Clay Matthews, who's a good outside rusher, but even he's not as fast as he used to be against somebody as athletic as Lamar Jackson. So it wouldn't surprise me if they bring up, like, Eric Weddle, they bring up Taylor Rapp, Maybe towards the line of scrimmage is nickel, slot back type to try to do that. Because with their current defense the way it is, they're more oriented up front. And Corey Littleton has played well in the middle. But again, they're outside besides Jalen Ramsey at, at their one corner, who's phenomenal, is not very good. And their outside linebackers as a whole aren't great either. So I think the best chance for the Rams to have any shot at containing Lamar Jackson running the ball and obviously rolling out, throwing on the run, is bringing those safeties up. I like Taylor Rapp as a prospect. I think he was my favorite safety in that draft. So I think he has the speed. He has the tackling ability. He has the coverage ability to be able to maneuver that in that part of the field. And Weddle, too. He's done that his whole career, too, where he's been a good blitzing safety. He's been a good run-stopping safety. So I, I expect them to be used in that kind of facet, and that'll help take advantage of the weakness that they have at linebacker right now with the exception of Littleton and, like I said, Clay Matthews. But Clay Matthews is 32 years old. He's not as fast as he used to be and definitely not as explosive as he used to be. I think he only has, I think, two or three sacks on the year, too. So... I think if the Rams have any shot of winning that game, that's how the game plan is going to have to be. Because I think the Ravens have a lot of match advantages in this game. Yeah, Eric Weddle is actually interesting too, because not only is he a factor on the field, but he's a factor also in the film room because he played with the Ravens last year and everything. Uh-huh. Definitely. All right, Speedy. Good to have you on here. Uh, have you on every single Tuesday, uh, Speedy Petey, producer of pretty much every show on this network. Good talking to you, bud. Yep. All right, Speedy PDR. Uh, producer for pretty much every show on this network. All right, let's go to the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right. Unfortunately, we got some more bad news. Players oh, behaving badly. Mark That's w- like your specialty. Players behave. You should have a show. Yeah, maybe I can get some theme music for that, Evan. Players, Players behaving, behaving badly. badly. So hashtag. Put on the Doctor Phil music. Hashtag bad boys, right? Bad boys, bad boys. So, what you're gonna do? We're getting so, another bad boys movie actually coming out. Yeah, I know. We're Martin Lawrence and Will Smith both get a colonoscopy. All right, moving oh on. God. Wait, 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 wait. Speaking of movies, nope. did you watch? Nope. <laughs> nope. I don't know nope. why you even ask me anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna keep asking. I'm trying to. I look. I I I, I will. I'll get Anchorman around to it eventually. Anchorman is an iconic movie. Yeah. When I'm 30, I'll watch it. Oh. All right. 
So Mark Walton was cut from the Miami Dolphins. Apparently he was arrested today for striking his girlfriend, uh, pushing her up against the wall and punching her in the face three times. So I don't know what's happening. And wasn't she pregnant? She was pregnant, yeah. Five weeks pregnant. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. So. Like what is it that what what? I know. It just doesn't Like make is any your decision making that bad where you have to Cause it isn't like you don't know that it's a problem. Right. And he's had a lot of problems. Okay. I don't understand how most athletes are not motivated to be the guy that says, you know what? There's a lot of domestic violence going around. I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. How about you take a knee for domestic violence? How about that? There you go. Well, I I don't know. That's great. I mean, like Mark Walton was any good anyway. So, you know, yeah, screw him. Yeah. Forget it. Get him out of there. So, uh, Rob Gronkowski. 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 Gronk. Dang. So, he's saying he's he's not maybe 100% done with the NFL. He is hosting a Super Bowl party in South Florida. But if he were to come back to the NFL, he would have to make an appearance on the field by November 30th. So, but he's not—he's right. not ruling it out. He says, but he's not coming so, back this year. So basically, year. so he's got to make an appearance by the latest, November. not this ne- not this week, but next week, right? Right. In order to be eligible. So, but he said, I mean, like uh, the grounds for him to come back are definitely there. Like he could, de- the Patriots would definitely pay him to come back. The Patriots could definitely use him. Right. But I like Gronk is loving life right now. Who would like who would? He's, who, only, he's only 30, too. I know, so. he's only 30, but he's got all the money in the world. He's a Hall right. of Famer. He's going to be yeah, he might be a Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, it, he's making he's making a ton of money. He's part of Fox Sports now. Right. He's making WWE money. He still has endorsement money. Why would he go back? Yeah. From 30 on, like, if you had the chance to retire at 30 yes, with all the money in the world, yes. do whatever the hell you want with your life, yes, 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 yes. Th- like, that's, that. yeah, it's a no-brainer, you know, so why not? I mean, I don't know. And then I have the uh, the Colts running back, Marlon Mack, Mack? Yeah. Yeah. Marlon mm-hmm. Mack um, injured his right hand in Sunday's game. He already had surgery on Monday, but it could end the season for him. They haven't indicated at all what his recovery would yeah, be like it's, and if he'll come back. It's possible that he's done, yeah. which is a shame because he was – Marlon Mack's a good running back. And he, he led the Colts, too. Yeah, in, he's, uh, a, he's a good running back. He can really play. He had uh, 8,621 rushing yards. On his career? No. Yes, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say on his career. I was yeah. gonna say yeah for his career. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, he's he's a good player. Yeah. So is it rushing him. yards or total yards? That's a lot of it yards says, for. It says yards rushing, and then he had seven rushing touchdowns. But okay. I can't confirm it because my Wi-Fi is down. I don't know. No, what's all right. Here, so all right, see, we're having I technical difficulties. I looked that up last night here. while I was uh, while I was preparing for today. Yeah. And then I also looked up. The oh, boy, world, here we go. The Yay. world's largest pumpkin pie. Oh, I like pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. I am so into pumpkin pie. The, that, that is the best. Uh, other, other than cheesecake, that's the best pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. Best. Pumpkin pie is... Delish. 
delicious, delicious. Especially if you make it right. Like, people got to understand that the pumpkin can't be, it can't be like banana cream pie, right? right? It can't be too soft or too warm. It's got to be nice and cold. It's got to cut like ice cream. That's pumpkin pie. Yeah. Got to make it Don't nice and easy. cold, nice and thick, nice and doughy. Oh, pumpkin pie, man. I'm right, so, so in. We'll start with the diameter of this pie. How what, how large do you think the diameter of the pie is? <laughs> ten thousand feet. feet. Wrong. Twenty feet. That's a pretty big pie. Twenty feet. All right. Yeah, that, yeah that's a huge pie. All and right, there you go. How many pounds? <laughs> you already know my answer. Just ten thousand pounds. Evan, ten thousand pounds. How many pounds world's large pumpkin pie? I'm gonna say a hundred. No, a it's twenty what? foot. It's twenty feet. Oh, it's twenty, 20 feet foot pie. Diana. That's a hundred pounds. Feet? It's twenty feet. How yeah. how light is this pie? Is it uh, hollow in the middle? All right, all right, all right. All right. Give me a minute. It's a pancake. Give me a minute. Two thousand. <laughs> I'm gonna say my real guess. The real, real. My real guess. Okay. It's thirty five hundred pounds. That's your for reals guess. That's my for, for reals, reals guess. <laughs> it's three thousand six hundred and ninety nine oh! <laughs> pounds. All right. I was right there. 35. See, it's it's easy mathematics. So you take the diameter and multiply it by how much Monica gets annoyed by me <laughs> saying 10,000. And then I measure how annoyed she gets because that's how far off I am. It's easy math. It's easy math. Well, I also wanted to say, so tomorrow I'm going to be uh, working with Island Harvest at the Stop and Shop in Setauket on Pond Path. Okay. They're going to be collecting food there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. in conjunction with uh, 94.3 The Shark radio station. Okay. So I'm going to be there in the afternoon packing up some trucks. So if anybody wants to stop by and bring some food, some turkeys, perishables, anything. That's right. It will be... Well appreciated here. Go be a good person for once. How about that? <laughs> All right. That's the news. Big J Journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All righty. Uh, coming up next. When you're happy, you tend to perform better. And we saw that last night. Plus, Dak Prescott is having one of the best seasons ever. And I got numbers to prove it. I'll tell you that. That's coming up next. The Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number three. Here we go on a Tuesday. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Worldwide Sports Radio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, Big J Journalist, Monica Ray. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. We are here in hour number three. Absolutely loaded show today. Uh, top 10 NFL teams. We had a new number one, the Baltimore Ravens. I'm telling you, best team in the NFL. I trust them more than anybody. Had Speedy Petey so he could agree, uh, disagree with me. Uh, in about 30 minutes, we have what are the chances we play it every single That's Tuesday. Uh, but let's begin our number three with this because there's a theory in life that I believe in. Have you ever noticed that you perform better at something when you're happy? Right, Monica, you've noticed that, right? Absolutely. You have a job that you love, you're better at it. You're just, you, you work harder at it, you're 
you just you're more motivated. You're in a better mood, so you, in term, you're performing better. Yes. If you compare a job you hated and a job that you loved, more often than not, you'd be better at the job that you loved. If you ever played sports, your coach would tell you, loosen up, have fun, right? If you've ever been a pitcher in baseball, I have. I, coach would always come up to me while I was on the mat. I was struggling. Just like, hey, man, loosen up. Have fun out there. Don't worry about it. You're good. Because you've got to have that positive mindset to, to, to perform well. Okay, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you perform angry. We got the two extremes on both sides last night with Patrick Mahomes and Phillip Rivers. Both great quarterbacks, both different mindsets. Mahomes plays freely, and Rivers plays angry. And the difference shows in the results. Mahomes is 7-4, and four and Rivers is 4-7. and seven. I was watching the game last night with my fiance, who doesn't really watch sports. She she watches it sometimes with me, but she never watches it on her own. And she said, "God, there's there is something about Patrick Mahomes." That I said, "Well, what do you mean? Where the hell did this come from?" She says, "He just he just feels iconic. He just plays smoother and freer." She said, "If you were to make a movie about the NFL today." He'd be the leading actor. He looks like what football is supposed to look like. First of all, I, uh, my mind was blown. My mind was completely blown. Monica, turn down the volume on your phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. I uh, two guidos. I can't hear. I can't take it. Yeah, if you hear me twice, that's a problem. Oh, <laughs> oh no. But first of all, my mind was completely blown. I was like, where the hell did this come from? Like, she doesn't watch sports. She spewed that one on me. Like, jeez, I, I never thought I'd hear, hear that from her. But I was thinking about it, and it makes perfect sense. Mahomes is so loose and relaxed when he plays. He never looks nervous or overwhelmed. The game just flows for him. Even his arm movements are fluid. His arm looks like a noodle when he throws. You know, Mahomes plays like what football is supposed to look like. It's free, it's easy, it's fun, it's loose, it's, it's easy. It's nice and free-flowing. It's fluid for Patrick Mahomes. Then the Chargers get on the field for the final drive, and there's a close-up of Phillip Rivers. And my fiancé asked me, why does he look so angry? He's so, he looks so intense. She also said that he looks like the human version of a Brussels sprout, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I watched Philip Rivers. I don't think I'll ever look at uh, Philip Rivers the same way again. No, you'll automatically just see Philip Rivers' body and then a Brussels sprout. But, but I watched Philip Rivers, and I just can't understand why anybody would want their quarterback to look like that. He looks frustrated and tense and anxious and rigid. It's just... He looks like the game isn't fun. The game isn't fun for Phillip Rivers anymore. He looks taxed by the game. It's a chore. Every time he walks off the field, he looks disappointed. And listen, I understand that as a quarterback, you want to score on every drive. But I don't see many successful quarterbacks do that. You know, ever ripping off the chin strap every single time you, go, you take a three and out or every time you throw a pick. Right. It's just, it's different not a lot of successful quarterbacks do that. Brady doesn't do that. 
Russell Wilson doesn't do that. Lamar Jackson doesn't do that. Or Dak, or Aaron Rodgers, or Drew Brees, or any of those guys. Rivers looks tired, and that's why he's struggling. And I don't mean tired as in (gasps) fatigue tired. I mean, he's fed up. He's tired of it. Phillip Rivers is immensely talented, but he has a really heavy head on his shoulders. He always has. Rivers plays tight. Now, like I said, I don't think that his NFL career is over. I think a change of scenery might work for him. I told you yesterday I love the Chicago fit. I think as soon as he would step into Chicago, they're a Super Bowl contender. I really do believe that. But you can tell that he's fed up with the situation in Los Angeles. And to be honest, how could you not be? I, listen, I'd be on board. It, it takes a lot of mental fortitude to be, like, uh, to be that way. I'm not saying it's Phillip Rivers' fault, but that situation in the, with the Chargers, it, it's a terrible one. It's awful. He's been their quarterback for a long time, and now is the worst time to be a Charger. Imagine playing for a franchise where all you experience is moving to Los Angeles, playing in a 30,000-seat stadium that you can't sell out, every game feels like a road game, your owner now is entertaining moving to London. It's, it's so exhausting. It is so exhausting. It's like if your parents get divorced and you have to decide who to live with. You know, and then the, the parent that you decide to live with keeps moving. And then the family drama follows you wherever you go. It's just, God, I just want this to stop. It's very tiring. Believe me, I'd be frustrated too. This needs to be a mutual breakup with Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Change of scenery for Rivers, new quarterback, and new life for the Chargers. But Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to deal with all of this. Instead, he has Andy Reid, a plethora of offensive weapons, a stable organization, an amazing home field advantage. The Mahomes world is just beautiful. What adversity is he running into? A bad run defense? Please. Phillip Rivers is saying, listen, my home games feel like road games. I wish I only had a bad run defense. Life gets easier And you perform better when you're happy and not frustrated. And last night we saw Mahomes who's happy and loose and he's getting good results. And then Phillip Rivers who's frustrated and tense and rigid and he's losing games because of it. It isn't like the talent isn't there, but it's a bad situation for Rivers and an exhausted relationship between him and the organization. It is just... A marriage that's gone sour. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers both need to move in their separate directions. And we saw last night, because I don't think it's talent. I don't think the Chiefs are more talented than the Chargers. The Chiefs have, the Chiefs have a better feeling in the building than the Chargers. They do. The Chiefs are fun and free and loose and fluid and iconic. And the Chargers are tense, rigid, don't make a mistake, not fun, taxed. You're not winning that way. You're not winning that way. Okay. I'm really into numbers. I want to shift to this. So, like, I'm really into analytics. I'm not smart enough to understand what all of them mean because I'm, I'm not a total nerd. But I understand the basis behind analytics. 
you're trying to set yourself up for the best chance of success through probability. You know, that's how lineups are constructed in baseball, and that's how, in certain situations, plays are called in the NFL. That's why teams are going for two more often. You ever notice that? Like, in the league today, you're seeing a lot less extra points. You're seeing a lot more uh, attempted two-point conversions. That's what you're seeing in the league now, because it's statistically more probable in certain situations to get to, uh, to score points going for two. Um, but I'm not here to bore you with numbers and breaking down things most people don't get. I just, I'm not. So I'll make this very easy for you. Dak Prescott is the Dallas Cowboys. It's indisputable. The Dallas Cowboys are Dak's team. Not Zeke's team, Dak's team. Let me throw a couple of numbers at you, and I promise these are the only ones. There's a stat called EPA. It's expected points added, which measures the impact of a play on the score of the game. So it's basically a play that is a play that's run that's based on down, distance, whatever. Whatever the probability of scoring points on that play, how often do you add points? to what's expected of that play. It seems pretty simple to me. Dak Prescott is at 45.4 EPA on the year right now. And people are going to say, Guido, that what the hell does that mean? That number means absolutely nothing to me. Let's put this into perspective. That puts Dak on pace to have an EPA of 72.64 by the end of the year. That would rank sixth all-time for a single season. Dak is turning plays that shouldn't score points into plays that do. This is a better number than what Patrick Mahomes had last year. If you took nothing else, that's what you need to know. Based on adding points to plays, Dak Prescott is having a better year this year than Patrick Mahomes did last year. There's another stat called success rate, which shows how often you put together a positive EPA. You know, that's how often you're adding points to what's expected. Dak is at 56%. That's the best of all time. Nobody in NFL history has a better success rate than Dak Prescott. This is not a bullish cowboy fan opinion anymore. This is real. Do we get it now? Do we get it now? Analytics in the NFL is a very forward way of thinking. The way you think about the game has to evolve for you to buy into this stuff. I always say it. Sports are cyclical. They're constantly changing. If you watch the Dallas Cowboys this season, there isn't a chance in the world that you can still think Ezekiel Elliott is the driving force of this offense. There's no way. That's a stalemated way of thinking. Your mind has stood still since Dak's rookie year. Because, I'm not going to lie to you, it used to be that way, but it isn't that way anymore. Dak doesn't rely on Zeke anymore. It might now actually be the other way around think about that but let's put analytics aside for a minute let's simplify this as much as we can 
How many games would the Cowboys win with Tony Pollard at running back instead of Zeke? And then ask yourself, how many games would they win with Cooper Rush at quarterback instead of Dak? The Cowboys would be a bottom five team in the NFL without Dak and would probably still be in first place without Zeke. Quit telling me that you don't see it with Dak. You don't see the zip on his fastball. You don't see the accuracy in the extending plays. You don't see the audibles at the line of scrimmage. You don't see the conversions on third down. He's leading the league in passing, second in touchdowns, top 10 in completion percentage, and top 10 in quarterback rating. Still Zeke's team? Get out of your own head and stop living in one state of mind. Embrace the evolution a little bit. Evolve your mind. Allow your opinions to change. Do not be stuck in one frame of thought. Dak is getting better. And the mantra of Dak from the impression he left early on in his career is he's reliant on Zeke. So when that changed, only some people's opinions did. And listen, I'm going to take responsibility. It took me a while to realize this. And then I'm watching these and I'm seeing these analytical numbers and I'm not kidding you. In every analytical category, every single number, he's top 5 in the league. He's leading in a ton of categories. Top 5 in the league analytically. He's having an all-time analytical season. And if you're if you're not aware, that's where the league is moving. That's where sports are moving. Okay, the same people that think the, the Cowboys are Zeke's team think that LeBron wouldn't survive in the 80s and that Michael Jordan would average 50 points a game in today's game, in today's NBA. Your mind is stuck in one frame. Fix the paper jam and get the gears going again. This is Dak Prescott's team, and he's showing you that at an all-time rate. The numbers prove it. The eye test proves it. The analytics prove it. In every single way, he's proving to you that this is the driving force of the Cowboys. It is not a quarterback that relies on his running game. It is not a quarterback that relies on his offensive line. Dak Prescott is turning plays that aren't supposed to score points into plays that do. And the numbers show that. Okay, Uh, coming up next, we do it every single Tuesday. We play What Are the Chances? Evan gives me a situation. I give you the percentage chance that that thing happens or does not happen. (laughs) That is coming up next. Monica's, one of Monica's favorite segments. It is. I love it. I know you do. Uh, That's coming up next. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Monica here on a Tuesday. Absolutely fantastic today. It's a great day. It is a great day. Yeah. It's actually really not. It's still well, tell cra- everybody cloudy. Well, tell everybody what we were just talking about. We it's were like, just looking it's like at the new cloudy. uniforms. It's like cloudy. Well, it's like cloudy. Oh, by the sun. way, yeah, those uniforms that Monica brought up. I'm sorry, that not, no, that Evan brought up. Evan brought up. I. I don't see how you like those Brewers unis. They're I, awful. I, I like the no. I like the Brewers. I like the Brewers alternate uh, home jerseys that they have. I love those. 
I'm looking. I'm getting it up right now. Like, I, all right, the the one that's nice to me is the navy blue one. That reminds me a lot of like Michigan football. That's a good one. Like that's that's a nice color scheme. I love I love the there. Brewers home alternate jerseys. I think they're home jerseys. They're but the Padres home. have the better jerseys. Padres absolutely have the better jerseys. I don't like I don't like their main home jerseys. The pinstripe. I'm not a fan of it. I think the the navy jerseys is good. I like that one that they have. The Padres. Padres the, have the, the military the military jerseys. Those are good. I'm not a fan of their spring train of their of those of yeah. the, jer- the other jerseys. The brown one that's the San Diego brown Yucky. and yellow. Oh, it just looks like it looks I'm like a spring you, training jersey. I'm going Friars. It looks like a spring training jersey. Yeah, but I love the Brewers outlook. Maybe it's because again, maybe it's because of the scheming of the Brewers jerseys. I think I just I'm, I've always been a fan of the Brewers like their jerseys and stuff. I think I love them, especially the alternate home ones. The alternate home ones, I'm not gonna lie, I might buy. I might buy that one. Mm-hmm. I don't have a Brewers jersey. I really should get a Brewers jersey. I don't know why I don't have one. Christmas alert for Evan. Christmas alert. I'm, I'm buying Santa him. Claus. I'm not buying him a hundred fifty dollar jersey. <laughs> get out of here, <laughs> Mike. I want a anyway. Jersey. Mike, buy me a jersey. Monica Ray with the news here on a Tuesday. All right, Mike, buy me. Mike, buy me a jersey. No. So you're cat- never getting a jersey from me ever. <laughs> Ever. Well, we're going to do a Kris Kringle, so you might get them. You know, there's only three of us. So the odds. We're going to have to do a Secret Santa. <laughs> we're going to do a Secret Santa. Secret Santa. <laughs> a Haystack Secret Santa. Yeah, it's exciting, right? With, yeah. Oh, I wonder who has me, Evan or Monica? <laughs> Monica's going to be like, wow, I wonder who has me, Mike well, or Evan? Hold on, we're Evan's going to be like, wow, where, who has me, Monica or I Mike? Know, we're forgetting Matt We're forgetting Matt and Vinny. We're forgetting Matty and Vinny. Who's their secret? Uh, I guess. They're never here. I still, they still count. I mean, we could do it with the morning the guys if they want in, right? I guess we could do morning boys, too. All right. Well, morning boys, if you're listening, let us know if you want in on the Christmas. I just hope I don't get Austin. I feel like uh. Austin's not a good gift getter. <laughs> Whoever gets Austin lost. Oh, boy. That's, you know, I, I could get something for Austin. I'll take Austin. You would get, no, 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 no. Whoever gets Austin to get them a gift. Yeah. Like, if you get, like, if Austin is your secret Santa, you right. lose. I just have a feeling. What? No. Why is that not nice? I don't know because I'm not saying anything mean about him. I just feel like he might not be a good gift getter. All right. Well, I feel like I feel like Mark Everett Kelly is incredible at buying gifts. Something tells me that he's he's got an eye for something. He's got an eye for something. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He buys nice gifts. Okay. Tell you, I'm going to get him for Secret Santa, and he's going to get me like a watch. Yeah. And be like, all right. All right. Mark Everett Kelly. Well, usually they put like a dollar limit on it, so you know, so somebody doesn't spend ten thousand dollars. Somebody spends five thousand dollars. You know, we have big budgets here. Yeah. On the haystack. Yeah, I usually whenever I do Secret Santa, I usually do like twenty bucks. Yeah, that's pretty. Twenty bucks is 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 pretty respectable. Mike, I want ten thousand Christmas gifts. (laughs) Ten thousand. Well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Evan a. Nothing. I'm gonna get you nothing, Evan. He's that gonna, would be he's cool. Gonna, he's gonna get me. He's gonna get me a Tom Brady jersey with like autograph for all of all the Patriots jerseys. I'd be like, oh. uh, uh. I'm gonna get him an Antonio Brown jersey. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's what you're gonna get. Here's Which what, one? Here's what Mike's gonna get me. He's gonna get me a big plaque of an of an Antonio Brown's touchdown on Christmas night against the Ravens. The one where he did this on his left hand and he reached down and scored the touchdown on Christmas night and broke and broke my heart and every Ravens fan's heart. Should I get a giant I'm going to get you a Lee Evans picture. jersey. Oh, you know what? I That's that. low. That's low. No, the worst would be Billy Cundiff. That's the worst you could Billy Cundiff. Not Lee Evans, but Billy Cundiff. All right. That's go ahead, worst. Monica. I'm sorry. Well, I know that probably the Carolina Panthers uh, are not going to be giving out Christmas gifts to their coaches. 
They're not so happy. They're talking about what they're going to be doing coming up, if they're going to be making any changes really? to their coaching staff or not. Uh, Ron Rivera, really? He did, yeah. So they don't know the future of him. And uh, Marty Herney is also being talked about as somebody that might be uh, 86. But they haven't said they've made any decisions about Cam Newton. So maybe he'll get something for Christmas. I, I, I really think I'm. You know, yeah, Cam I, Newton's I think gonna a, get a plane ticket out of town for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a possible. I think with the Panthers seeing Kyle Allen play, I think it's a possibility Cam is back next year as the starter. Maybe they. I don't him. think maybe, so. I could see. I could see them firing. But first of all, is it is it fair to fire Ron Rivera with this after this year? Maybe not. But I could totally see it. I could definitely see it happening. And maybe they bring in a new coach. Uh, and, nope. then draft, and then draft a new quarterback. Nope. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule out Cam being there next year. I really wouldn't. They're and either going to draft a new quarterback or they're going to sign a new quarterback. Or they're going to let Kyle Allen play. There's no, they will, they're not going to opt. They are not going to keep Cam Newton. They're not going to want to pay him that $19 million. He has one year left on his contract. Right. Yeah. So if they cut him, he's no cap hit. Right. Why the hell not? I don't know. So out to Vegas, uh, you know, we, they, Vegas. Bet on, they bet on everything in Vegas. So they're betting on the MVP. Who's going to be the MVP? So obviously, who do you think is the top right now? Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar. Lamar Jackson, I think, is probably first in odds. And yeah. Who, who do you think is the second? Russell Wilson. Yes. Russell. Yeah, so I guess if you were betting, probably the odds. Rogers. I think the you top five. You wouldn't win a lot of money on that. Let me guess the top five. Okay, I'm gonna I don't guess have the top, a top five. five. All right, I'm gonna tell me. I'm gonna guess the top five, Evan. <laughs> Here we go. Top Lamar, five. Lamar Jackson, the top five. five. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. That's gonna be one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is four, and Dak Prescott is five. I like that. Sounds That's good. what I think is. I think I. I think I'm right. I think I'm right. Somebody do the research. Somebody do it. Evan, I, do I it. don't have any Wi-Fi, so I'm done. Monica has no Wi-Fi, got, so she's she's screwed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and then uh, it looks like the Lakers were out on the town Saturday night. You had uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and DeMarcus Cousins sharing a bottle of $3,000 cognac. I wonder what that tastes wow. like. Sitting around, sipping and drinking. Probably However, tastes like cognac. Yeah, well, they left it. <laughs> they left it 10. So they didn't have a hangover when they went yesterday. Um, oh, they Sunday had to go to, to bed. Play. They had to go to bed. So they, they had to go to bed <laughs> to play and and uh, a little bit of a curfew, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, LeBron's married with children, so his wife probably was just like, "LeBron, get home now." <laughs> yes, dear. But I'm like three thousand dollar cognac. It reminds me of people what's that the most buy- expensive thing you ever bought. Like, all right, but I don't. I don't mean like like plane tickets or like like a trip or a concert or anything like that. I mean like like, like wine or like wine, food, clothes, uh, like a material item What's that the, I bought, not that I was given. That you were bought. That you that bought. I bought. Okay. So probably the most expensive alcohol I ever bought was a over a hundred dollars for a bottle of wine. Was it good? It was good, yeah. Was it a, it was, was it $100 good? $10,000 worth I, good. You know what? 
you can taste the difference, but once you get to a certain level, I don't really, like, I would never buy something like a $1,000 bottle of wine or a $500 bottle of wine, even if I had that kind of money. I just think it's silly. But Wine's wine. First of all, wine's terrible. Like, well, I can't I don't stand really, wine. I don't drink much wine, but, yeah. If Plus, I wine gets you dub. Yeah, it, it gets you loopy. Yeah, it gets you dub. Little to loop. But, um, I mean, I've, I've had more expensive things, but I wasn't the purchaser of that. And they were good, but I wasn't, like, super impressed. I don't know. A $3,000 bottle of cognac. I don't know. A $3,000 bottle of cognac. They, they probably all could have got their own bottles. Most expensive meal. Uh, well, that's the thing. is The most expensive meal I've ever had was the worst meal I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Where was that? So my ex-girlfriend took me to a restaurant that she worked at. She worked a re- she worked at uh, Danford's in Port Jeff, mm-hmm. and she was a she was a sous chef there. So so you had to pay for it, even though she was a sous chef. Well, she did. She paid for okay. it. Okay. Um, and she participated in making it. No, she didn't actually. Oh. Um, so basically, what happened was, is we go there, and I get I. It, Danford's primarily a seafood place. I'm not a seafood guy. So the only thing on the menu that I li- that I thought I would like would be like a filet mignon and, and a baked potato. So I was like, okay, I'll just get a filet mignon and a baked potato. They bring it out. It looks delicious. It is the driest, most bland steak, the toughest steak I've ever eaten in my entire life. I drenched it with steak sauce. It was absolutely terrible. The baked potato did not taste like a baked potato. It was really flavorless. I'm like, this is like, get out of here. My plate was fifty bucks. Yeah. I'm like, did the, it's ridiculous. The bill came between her, mine, and her meal. It was like ninety five dollars. I'm right. like, and you guys don't drink? Or I don't. No, I don't. Dr- I don't drink at all. But I was, I was like, this is the worst meal I've ever had. Like, what? This is not worth. This isn't worth what I have in my pocket. Right. And that's not a lot. I'm broke. So. I don't know, yeah. whatever. All right, that's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Game time. Game time. Here we go. So we do this every Tuesday. Uh, I, we I, play a game called What Are the Chances? I was expecting her to rip the paper and then to throw it at one and throw it at someone. Yeah, it was, that's kind of what expect, I was expecting, I was expecting too. That too. <laughs> I guess that's not happening today. I was like, I was ready. I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to. I already got it all together, too. <laughs> I was waiting for I'm like, okay, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. Uh, Whoa. I couldn't make that one. See, there we go. She's like Tony Reale on uh, Around the Horn. Tony, that's a good compa- Tony Reale. That's well, right. you forgot. Look, we match today. We do match today. Yeah, that's right. We're 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 totes oh. adorbs. <laughs> wow, you guys Today's just can't. Just, you just you guys you no. guys. You're an easy can't target. Yeah. You, right. you, easy target. You kidding me? <laughs> uh, you, you guys have you come close so far. <laughs> Y'all have you come close right, right now. No, you're just fun to throw at. <laughs> All right, Evan. Here we go. Uh, what are the chances? Evan gives me a uh, gives me a situation. I give you the percentage chance that that thing happens. Evan, here we go. So after the Charger Chief game last night, this guy was trending on Twitter yesterday. Uh, number one, he was he didn't even play. What are the chances the Chargers bench Philip Rivers and start Tyrod Taylor at some point this season? Uh, five. I'll give it like a five percent chance. There's I I don't think that happens. They'll stick with Philip Rivers. The whole way through, uh, unless he gets hurt, I can't see them changing the starter. Uh, I don't think they go Tyrod Taylor. No, I, I would, 
I would say Philip Rivers is their guy for the whole way. Sticking with the charts of They Phillip ride or die with Philip Rivers. I hate that term. Ride hate, or die. You're my ride. I, I hate when people say that to me. You're my ride or die. No, I'm not. I'm not dying for you. What are you talking about? No. If I'm riding with you and I'm going to die, then I'm not going to get in the car. Yeah. No, no thanks. No thanks. I'd rather just have you die by yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to be just like, you know what? You're going to die. I'm going to die, too, because you're my ride or die. I'm no. going with you. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb. Save yourself. That's called Thelma and Louise, right? <laughs> That's right. I'm going to jump off a bridge. Oh, I'm going to jump, too, because you're my ride you. or die. <laughs> nope. What's next? Stick with Philip Rivers. What are the chances Philip Rivers retires at the end of the season rather than sign with another team in free agency? I'd give it that like a 30% chance. I think that it's a possibility. I, th I still think he wants to play. I think he's still capable of playing really good football. Um, so I'm going to say that there is a chance that that happens. I don't think it's likely. Like I said, 30% chance. There are going to be teams that are going to offer him some money and he's not going to be able to pass it up. Something that hasn't happened since 2010. What are the chances the New England Patriots get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs? Hasn't happened since 2010 when the Jets did it in the AFC Divisional Playoff game. 50-50. Mm. I really wow. do believe that. I, look, I'm so not in on New England right now. I'm just not. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't win a playoff game. They don't look prepared for it. They have a stellar defense, but they have feasted on bad teams, and their offense can't score points. Like, if they got to play Kansas City, if they got to play, can't like, Houston or, uh, yeah, or, like, like, Houston, Kansas City, they got to play Baltimore in the playoffs, whatever it is, th that is not a game that I feel comfortable with. They could lose those games. So I'm going to say 50-50. And everybody's just like, oh, my God, it's the Patriots! Nope. Not into it. Sorry. When the Jets, when the Jets beat the Pats that year in the Division playoff game, I really thought they were going to the Super Bowl. I did. They beat the Colts, they beat the Pats. I'm like, they're going to the Super Bowl. Like, it just felt like that was a win. They do it. What are the chances the Cleveland Browns finish the season above 500? Let me get you the remaining schedule. Yeah, well, I, I gotta, I gotta be objective here. Okay, so the remaining schedule is the Miami Dolphins at home this Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry, next Sunday, because they're on a bye. No, this Sunday. No, it's, it's this Sunday. It's this You're, Sunday, yep, yes. It's this Sunday. They then play the Steelers in Pittsburgh, the, uh, the Bengals at home, the Cardinals on the road, the rematch with the Ravens at home, and then they finish the season in Cincinnati against the Bengals. What are the chance? They're 4-6 and six right now. What are the chances they finish the season above 500? So they would have to go, at the very least, what? 5 and... Five, at least, five and six? At five least, and one? At least five of their last six, yes. No. Sorry. I think, uh, listen, Baltimore is going to be a tough game. Uh, Arizona is going to be a tough game. Uh, I'm telling you right now, it, this is not This is not going to be a uh, an easy road for the, uh, for the Browns. Uh, again, they're terrible in the red zone. They're not well coached. Uh, nothing about them gives me any faith whatsoever. Cleveland just isn't good. Their offensive line's bad. Baker's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year. I, I'm just, I'm out on them. I really am. I, I, I don't feel confident in them at all. So, no, I think they I think they definitely finish below 500. What are the chances the NFL MVP award doesn't go to a quarterback? Zero. It's going to go to a quarterback. 
Christian McCaffrey's not getting it. Michael Thomas is not getting it. It, it is not going to a defensive player. Uh, it is going to be either Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, or Russell Wilson. That's that. That's just the end of the story. It's almost crazy to say not Michael Thomas because we're in week 11. He's going to break records. He has 94 catches for 1,141 yards. Unbelievable. I know. Unbelievable. With two different quarterbacks With this year. two different quarterbacks. Unbelievable. No, this is going to go down as one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time. And he won't win the MVP, possibly. Right. No, but it's going to go to a quarterback. Zero percent. No matter what. But maybe he'll win Mike's MVP. No, he won't NFL, win Mike's MVP. Come on, Mike. You I mean, give, hey, listen. Give him Michael, for the, Thomas, for the awards, Michael Thomas is not going to win MVP, but he could win Offensive Player of the Year. He could definitely win Offensive Player of the Year. But we're asking about your awards in the NFL postseason awards, Mike. I mean, well, right. I don't know it's that. Gotta be, it's got to be in the running. I mean, it's, man. Guys, it's months away. The Academy hasn't even voted yet. I need to, ch- I need to talk to the Academy about this. I already got to figure out what to wear. <laughs> Let me going dip to the into Academy. my multiple personality disorder and get the Academy for you. Thomas, <laughs> talk to him. Don Mas, Don Mas is going to take a trip to the Academy and talk about Michael yeah, Thomas. Yeah, that's right. Going to talk yes. about MVP. That's exactly what. Yeah. Okay. What's what, next? What are the chances the Eagles still make the playoffs? I uh, no. Division wild card, any of them? Sorry, nope. Twenty percent. Like they'd have to get really hot at the end of the year. Uh, I think they lose this weekend against Seattle. Uh, they'd have to go extremely hot, and again, they'd have to hope that everybody else in the NFC kind of takes a dip. So they're gonna, ha- they would have to hope that Minnesota takes a dip. They'd have to hope that um, that Seattle takes a dip. I-, I don't think that that happens. There's too many good teams in the NFL uh, in the NFC right now. I- they'd have to be extremely hot. So probably like twenty percent. I don't think the Eagles make the playoffs. What are the chances Carmelo Anthony finishes the season with the Portland Trailblazers? Um, I'll give it a 50-50 shot. I think it's possible. If he plays well, they'll keep him. If he doesn't play well, they'll let him go. It's a non-guaranteed contract, so they'll they'll have him come in, see if he can contribute. If he's not working, then they'll let him go. So, you know, he will draw media attention, so they are going to have a pretty short leash with him. But if he's playing well, then they'll keep him, yeah. But I'll say 50-50, Melo stays with the Blazers. All right, give me one more. Thursday night football, this is a really big game. Texans-Colts first place in the AFC South on the line. So what are the chances? Where is it? It's in Houston. So what are the chances the Indianapolis Colts go on the road and upset the Texans and sweep them to go on and win the AFC South? That'd be- 25%. I, I like the Texans this uh, this Thursday. It's just, I, I, I don't, the problem is, is that it's very hard for two division rivals that are going to be at the top of the conference to sweep each other. I don't think that the Colts are that much better than Houston. I actually think Houston's better than Indy. So, I, I, I think Houston wins this weekend. There's a possibility because that offensive line for Indianapolis is unbelievable, but they also won't have Marlon Mack. I think they're going to struggle running the football, which is Indianapolis's bread and butter. I I, I, I think the Houston, I think the uh, Texans win this weekend. I'm sorry, not this weekend, on Thursday. I think it's pretty clear cut. No, no questions asked for me. They're going to win. All right, there we go. That's one of the chances every single Tuesday at the end of the show. By the way, the odds for MVP, uh, what was your top five? 
uh, Wilson. Uh, I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak, Dak Prescott. Prescott. Their five is is Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Christian McCaffrey, Pat Mahomes, followed by Tom wow. Brady at six. Tom Dalvin, Brady, Dalvin Cook at seven. Jimmy Garoppolo at eight. Tom Brady. Jim, what Dak the Prescott, hell? Dak Prescott at nine. Maybe you need to what? go to Vegas. Brady? Yes. Brady and Jimmy G over Dak. Yes. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That's terrible. That is actually terrible. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, that does it for us. Monica Ray, our Big J journalist. Evan Mazza, my producer. I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.